I'm Matt Bellany, founding partner of Puck News, and I'm covering the inside conversation about money and power in Hollywood. With my new show, The Town, I'm going to take you inside Hollywood with exclusive insight on what people in show business are actually talking about. Multiple times a week, I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know, journalists, insiders, all of whom can break down the hottest topics in entertainment to tell you what's really going on. Listen now. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase, every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay, Sean, top three movie snacks of all time, go. Um, all right, let me think. Uh, popcorn? Obviously. Hmm. Ice cream? That's two. Oh, and uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, of course. Peanut butter and chocolate is a pretty perfect combination. Some may even say the ultimate movie snack. You can't argue with that. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm Amanda Dobbins. And this is The Big Picture, a conversation show about the Golden Globes. The beleaguered award show is back on prime time. It just aired. We are coming to you immediately after the telecast on Tuesday night. And it was an award show. Amanda, what'd you think of the telecast? As a TV show, I think I give it a C minus. And (laughs) as an awards show, though, I give it a B minus. And as I was setting up my Zoom here, I was thinking about maybe I would even bump it up to a B. But then I was like, no, it's still a B minus. But B minus. Um, sure. I, I didn't know we were doing letter grades, but I'll okay. think on what my letter grades would be and I'll get back to you on that. Uh, I wasn't thinking about it in that way because in a way, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is um, is an unfinished product these days. After some years of controversy, the show made a, an attempt to come back on a Tuesday night. And this is, of course, one of the most important precursors to the Academy Awards. And I'm so fascinated to evaluate whether anything at all changed in the Oscar race. My immediate reaction is no. Maybe we should table that for one second, though, because I do want to talk about the TV show aspect that you're citing. Gerard Carmichael, of course, was the host of tonight's proceedings. And he did what Gerard Carmichael does, which is he very deliberately and to me, quite amusingly, makes everyone feel uncomfortable. He did that from the opening moments of this show by having a largely autobiographical opening monologue about how and why he was asked to be the MC of tonight's show. That, of course, led to a uh, long disquisition on the racist past of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and what Carmichael could or could not do to um, alleviate some of those concerns amongst the national media and Hollywood itself. What would you think of John Carmichael? I thought the monologue was the most effective part of the hosting experience and notable, notable that he did the monologue and then he kind of did like the interstitial jokes, which we'll come back to, but no bits. And I just got to say, thank you for the no bits. The show already ran long. The bits were going to feel extra forced. Good call. I thought the monologue was, was both like really effective, um, to me as a viewer and as a specific type of viewer, AKA a person who hosts a podcast about a war season and also is evidence of like why awards shows just like make no sense anymore. They just don't make any sense as a concept because I thought it was great and a, and a clever if awkward way is that's what he's like. That's what his standup is like. It's just awkward. Yeah, this felt very much like a kind of spiritual sequel to Rathaniel, his most recent special. Yeah, you know, even just like the the pacing of it was just a little Mm -hmm. bit like, but uncomfortable. But I thought the concept and the way that it got at the um, the Hollywood Foreign Press's issues and history and, and, you know, the, the various elephants in the room was very deft. I did also think to myself, like, how many people even know what he's talking about? And it's probably like 300 to 400,000 was my best guess, which is like, and and so it was great for them. 
I don't think that that is the audience that the HFPA or NBC is uh, is hoping for, though it's also notable that I think this will be the Golden Globes' last year on NBC, and this was seen in a lot of ways as a um, like an audition tape for the Golden Globes' as like new home, if they can find one. You have to wonder whether any new homes are going to be like, okay, so 300,000 people who are who can understand an in-joke about uh, awards show history. That's what, you know, I, like, I, I don't know whether it works as an advertisement for the future of this awards show, but um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was incisive. I, I enjoyed it as well. I, I agree with you, though. I don't know that the HFPA really had any other option here other than to just let let someone annihilate them for five minutes to open the show even though that signal was probably only broadcast clearly to, as you said, a kind of a fraction of the audience. Now, this show is not airing on a Sunday night after a day of football. It's airing on a Tuesday night after a day of the rain in Los Angeles. And so it's a different kind of expectation of the audience, too. And maybe that speaks to the broader future of award shows, which is to say that they are more like what the Golden Globes has been historically, which is this kind of drunken, clubby night in a small room with a lot of famous people. And even though the evening started out quite tense, I think, and there was a sense that Carmichael, you know, was not just going to slaughter some sacred cows, but like maybe burn down the whole slaughterhouse with it. But also that as people had more drinks and as it shifted from this disquisition about the HFPA to just giving out awards to famous people and letting drunk famous people on stage, it started to feel kind of back to normal in some ways. And in a way, almost like banal to the point of normalcy, which is not something you could say about award shows for the last few years. Remember that we had a Zoom Golden Globes two years ago that was highly unusual and significantly different from what we saw tonight. And so in an odd way, I was comforted by the regularness of this otherwise dull award show. I agree with you with one notable Zoom or satellite exception that did not feel of, you know, years past and felt very 2022-2023, which is when President Zelensky uh, (laughs) phoned in from the Ukraine to give a message that I support. uh, And, you know, and I I also stand with Ukraine. Just so um, so we're clear here, you're saying you stand with Putin? Is that what you said? (laughs) No, I want to be very clear that I stand... (laughs) With Sean Penn, uh, who introduced <laughs> Zelensky and Zelensky and Ukraine. Um, yeah, that that felt very of a moment um, of was. this it, moment in a way that was uh, strange. But no, I agree with you. I think that when I said I give it like a B minus for an awards show was there was a lot of this that was just famous to or semi-famous people winning awards and saying daffy things on stage. And you know what? I kind of like that. Not kind of like that. I've always enjoyed it. So the more that they, the more drinks that were consumed, I guess people really still are just showing up to the Golden Globes and just drinking. You would think at this point, people would know to at least pace themselves, right? Well, it's a long show. And uh, I don't know what kind of food options we're talking about here. I've never attended the Globes myself, but I, if if it were me, I'd just be doing stiff cocktail just over and over again. No, you wouldn't. Hit me, hit me. If you had any, that's such a lie. And I was thinking about this. (laughs) If you had any chance of being anywhere near a camera and a microphone, like if Mm -hmm. there was the remotest I'm near a microphone every day of the week. Sure, and you didn't have and a cocktail at night, did you? <laughs> I'm shit house ahead of every pod. It's a little known right. fact about me. I'm just absolutely hammered right now. This is what I'm saying. If you went to the Golden Globes and there was the tiniest chance that you were going to have to get up on that stage, you wouldn't drink a thing, and neither would I. And I am the world's greatest cocktail enthusiast, so you know, I, I would, I would have the lubricant. I would have the one. I would have the. I need to. Un, untighten my nerves cocktail, but I would mm. not have the full Mike White. And you God bless have, Mike do they White. Do have a full bar at the Golden Globes? I'm not like, sure. I think it's it's like a, a weight. There's weight services is right. my understanding. So, so you, I'm just yeah. like, would you be able to get your old fashioned or whatever? Yeah. Do they have whistle pig? I, I freaking hope so. You know? Yeah. They, 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 they and damn sugar. Well should. What yeah. about Pappy? You think they have Pappy Van Winkle on ice there? This is what I'm asking you. Like, what are the bar options? I have no clue. Um, yeah. 
I, it was nice to see, though, that a, a number of people did get inebriated because I think that's one of the very best features of the Golden Globes. And there were, there were certainly some highlights in that respect, people drinking. And then there were also some, some, some non-drunken highlights, some, some nice moments and some interesting moments about the, um, the awards to come. I, did, I was a bit cynical at the outset of the show because after Carmichael's speech, they proceeded to start giving out awards right away. I thought both of the first two awards were w- widely deserved. Angela Bassett's win for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, not just for that performance, but the fact that everyone knows that Angela Bassett has been one of the best movie and TV actors for 35 years running and is just magnificent. And, and Kiwi Kwan, who you know won for Best Supporting Actor for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I, I, I will say the cynicism in me sparked a little bit when I felt like, okay, we're giving out a lot of awards to actors of color really early on to say, hey, we're not so bad. Now, of course... Supporting actor and actress awards often come early in award shows, but my antenna is up with the HFPA's history, and I wanted to be mindful of that. And I will say that cynicism did eventually fade away for me after after twenty or thirty minutes, and I it started to just feel like kind of a normal award show in which a broad range of nominees were rewarded. And, but I, did did that trigger anything in you? Were you like, oh, they set us up here to show us that we're not so bad anymore and that we're now more morally righteous? Yes, for sure. I the first 30 minutes were just sort of tough going. And and some of that might have been what we as viewers brought to the show and then Gerard Carmichael I think rightfully set you up for, you know, with the primer of here's what we're trying to do here. And so maybe we were just hypersensitive to it. Um but I think even a couple of the TV awards that they gave out right after supporting actor also went to actors of color which is wonderful but I did also notice that the category presentation throughout the night the the order of it was like a little strange uh in a way that made me wonder whether they ordered it intentionally to like get things off on the foot that they wanted to start the evening on it felt a little overmanaged in that way. Nevertheless, um, we saw those two supporting awards, which are, I think, sort of obvious. And it did strike a feeling in me that this was ultimately going to be a largely predictable slate of awards tonight. I don't. There was there were a couple of surprises, but maybe not as many as we've come to expect from the somewhat chaotic and unpredictable history of the Golden Globes. There was something a bit chalky and as the show went on I was like gosh this sure feels like what the Oscars are going to feel like mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing I think on the one hand the Globes not being ridiculous and giving Bohemian Rhapsody five or six awards seems like a good thing on the other hand <laughs> you mean Elvis it, it, well or or Elvis which you know did not do as well as some oh, had I, expected sorry. you were speaking in the past tense I didn't I didn't know I whether was. that was like a Freudian split no 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 of you being like Elvis is Bohemian Rhapsody and so no well I mean that's the thing is that that four years ago Bohemian Rhapsody did quite well and that Elvis has been comp to it a number of times I, w- I was referring to the fact that once upon a time you would get some really wonky wins as it were mm-hmm. and I, I didn't feel like there were that there was one really odd win to me that I'm still trying to wrap my mind around um, which is the best international feature or the best you know yeah. non-English language feature award which went to a good film Argentina 1985 but a film that is certainly the lowest profile movie out of all of the nominees this year uh, the other nominees were All Quiet on the Western Front Close the Belgian film Decision to Leave from South Korea and RRR which is really having a moment right now mm-hmm. here in Hollywood. Sure um, is. And it, of course, earlier in the ceremony, RRR's song Not To Not To won. And so I felt like, hey, maybe this will be kind of like the crowning moment. And maybe even the RRR uh, Best Picture race Train will be on in starting, a more significant yeah. way. And that didn't turn out to be true. But aside from that, that, and we can talk a little bit more about that category in a minute, but aside from that, I, I, I wouldn't say I had my breath taken away by any of the awards given out, which is, again, I'm kind of like neutral on. Were you surprised by anything? No, and what was interesting is that even the musical comedy categories, Best Actor and Best Actress, which um, are are not a part of the Oscar ceremony, were uh, were what I expected them to be. Colin Farrell won for Banshees Ben and Sheeran, and Michelle Yeoh won for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and that was really lovely because I think if we had to put money on it today, Kate Blanchett is going to win another Oscar for Tar. Uh, meaning that Michelle Yeoh will not win Best Actress, which is a real shame because she's so deserving. And her speech to me, I might have been reading into it too much, but it had the tinge of like, this is my speech and this is mm-hmm. 
you know, my time to accept this. And I was very moved by it. Very deserving performance and deserving actor. But even those categories, like they can't be chalky for the Oscars because they don't exist in the Oscars. But I was still like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is going along with the same narrative that we expect. Yeah. I, I felt the same, but in reverse for Kiwi Kwan, which is that it felt like he was auditioning for his best supporting actor speech mm-hmm. during his speech. Whereas Michelle and, Yeoh, and, it seemed like was acknowledging like yeah. this might be the last time I get to do this. And let's just say Kiwi Kwan nailed it. Like I and crushed it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so beautiful. I teared up. Um, he seems like the absolute lock for best supporting. I hope I d- didn't just jinx it for him. Um, but you, you know, know when, I, when, when I was watching him, I was thinking of a Troy Kotzer and I was remembering Troy Kotzer giving a speech like that. And then I looked back and realized Troy Kotzer didn't even win at the Globes last year. It was Cody Smith McPhee who won at the Globes and Kotzer's hard campaign kind of began immediately after that. Now, of course, the Globes we didn't was not televised. And right. so it didn't have the same kind of impact. Right. But. I, but it, I, I agree with you. It felt like Kiwi Kwan locked something up. And Troy Kotzer last year had sort of a, a breakout moment at the SAG Awards. I remember his That's right. speech being really beautiful. So, you know, the same thing. Um, it, yeah, it was lovely. Do you want to talk about any more highlights from the show itself before digging into the winners of drama and musical comedy and talking a little bit about the the actor and actor races and director? Yeah, they were from some fun things. They almost all came from winners i guess Mm -hmm. towards the end the presenters got a little loose i mean and we'll talk about regina hall the regina hall thing is the most incredible thing that i've ever seen happen i'm just gonna fast forward ahead i don't even remember what she was presenting i i want to say it was limited series oh no no you know what it was she was presenting yeah best actor in a limited series because kevin costner he of yellowstone and you know all the movies of the 80s and 90s uh, one and was not present due to the legitimately troubling weather conditions in Southern California in the last really week, but certainly the last 48 hours. Um, but the way that they present like the, the text for the presenters to read, to accept on behalf of, of these absent individuals, is it the smoothest and Regina Holm, might have also been participating in the festivities of the Golden Globes. And so she had to read the phrase, Kevin Costner is sheltering in place in Santa Barbara. <laughs> and then just kind of lost it at the end. She couldn't even finish of, the sentence. Yeah, she she like, burst out laughing while reading. That is an objectively ridiculous sentence to have to say <laughs> out loud. And like, you know, lots of love to the people in Santa Barbara. Like things are very difficult across the state of California, but like Kevin Costner is sheltering in place in his like $40 million mansion in Santa Barbara. (laughs) You know, I don't know what to say. I hope he and his family and everyone else are safe. Um, And Regina Hall really made me laugh. Uh, It made me wish that she could come back and host the Oscars because she does have, and she didn't really get a chance to do the thing that she did tonight that much at the Oscars last year. But she she has really great comic timing and is very naturally funny. funny. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed that moment. There were a couple of other moments like that. Um, You know, I think Jennifer Coolidge in her presentation early in the show and then in her acceptance speech, which seemed to be to me like an out loud private conversation into microphones (laughs) with Mike White. (laughs) They were just sort of like going back and forth to each other sort of like quietly gossiping slash doing their shtick, which is all like their persona is also themselves. And, you know, Jennifer Coolidge, when she talks, I'm like, is this, are you just doing that trophy wife from best in show character? Or like, right. is that actually who you right. are? Obviously she's having an incredible moment because of the success of season two of white Lotus. And Mike white is too. I thought they were both very funny. There was like 11 and a half minutes of Jennifer Coolidge just talking during this award show. It's yeah. just like, that's a lot to ask uh, for an audience as much as I like her um, for, a, for a three and a half hour show. Sure. Um, that was quite yeah. a bit, although not as much as Ryan Murphy with a, I think his award speech uh, was clocked in around four hours and 12 minutes, mm-hmm. which is, uh, that was staggering. Are that you, was... have you ever, have you ever watched a Ryan Murphy television show? Yeah, of course. I loved Glee. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Any, anything a, since you know, Dahmer? I'm a human. Um, I, I skipped Dahmer, though. was happy to see Evan Peters. I haven't really checked in on him since Mayor of Easttown. Um, His speech show, was very serious you. and elegant. I thought he, he was like very composed. 
Yeah. I I remember that from his acceptance speech for mayor of East Town as well. And that's really all I know about him. Um, but I'm happy. Seems like for an him. intense fellow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I've watched. Oh, I watched American. Which one was the OJ show? Crime Story. Yeah. Crime Story. Crime watched Crime Story. that. Yeah. Should we just okay. name Ryan Murphy shows for the length of sure. his speech? I, Nip Talk. I, Have you seen that? No, I, I, did, I skipped that one. American Horror Story. I read a lot of blog posts about it. It's almost the same okay. thing, right? Pose. Did you watch Pose? I didn't watch Pose. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. He has several television shows. Right. Oh, I, I have Netflix. seen Eat, Pray, Love, uh, which I okay. forgot he directed, starring Julia Roberts. Well, uh-huh. he thanked Julia Roberts in his acceptance speech. And I was like, wait yeah. a second, is Julia here tonight? And then I was just Googling what he did with uh, Julia Roberts. Anyway, at some point, I um, that's when we put my son to bed, was during that. It did <laughs> coincide with his bedtime. So thank you to Ryan Murphy and the Golden Globes for that. And then my son, who was kind of being a monster tonight, though I love him, was thankfully asleep. Um, for the Eddie Murphy Cecil B. DeMille award, which was great because my husband just sat down and we just like laughed at two second clips of Eddie Murphy SNL skits for, and that was like the best part of the whole night. You know, it was really good was when Eddie Murphy was on SNL. That was funny. Yeah, I miss I. There's really nothing like Gumby. Gumby is the I, thing God, that every time I, I see dying. it, it's the, it's the best. Uh, <laughs> The most memorable moment, of course, from Eddie Murphy's uh, honorary award speech was the closing bit. Uh, oh Eddie God, Murphy a gave game. a very he gave a very short, very quiet speech, very simple, just clear thank yous to his family and the people that he's been working with for more than four decades in Hollywood. And then he said that there is a clear blueprint for success in Hollywood. I believe what he said was uh, there are three keys. One mm-hmm. is to pay your taxes. Two is to mind your own business. And three is to keep Will Smith's wife's name out of your fucking mouth, which he said at the top <laughs> of his lungs. Obviously a direct reference to the uh, incident at the Academy Awards last year. And, um, you know, as many people have cited, Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock are very close. Sure, and, yeah. you know, as part of a lineage of black comics, uh, Dry Carmichael, I think, also had quite a lot of fun with Eddie Murphy's joke. I don't know if you observed him in the wings there. Oh, no, I didn't see it. I He had attempted a Will Smith joke earlier, which kind of fell flat. I, I, some of his more topical jokes like didn't really land. And it's not fair to be like, you know, to compare anyone to Eddie Murphy. But like Eddie Murphy landed that plane, you know? Yeah. And he like he really was just so patient. You know, he really just I was like, wow, is he like on a on a Xanax or something right now? This is really a mellow Eddie Murphy. And he just nailed it, which is not surprising. We love Eddie Murphy. A couple of other things. Austin Butler's. Yeah, the voice, the voice. uh, Let's just, we gotta, that's, so as soon, Austin Butler won for Elvis for best actor in a, in a drama, even though Elvis is a musical, whatever. (laughs) And as soon as he started speaking, and the 300,000 people that were watching the Golden Globes texted each other. Is that what he really talks like? Is he just talking like Elvis? Did he like, is he just Elvis now? Um, he is just doing the Elvis voice, I guess. I, ha- I want, I want, I need to do a forensic breakdown of the entire speech. Okay. Because the whole thing is very important to me. Now, one, I really was not a fan of Elvis Two, I was very admiring of Austin Butler's performance. I have no issue with him winning awards. He seems like a very promising young movie star. I, I'm a million percent in on him now. I he this is now totally. like I like all all of my stock is in him. This is what he did when he got on stage. First of all, he gave a pound to Quentin Tarantino sitting yeah. at the Babylon table. Shout out to Quentin sitting at the fucking Babylon table. <laughs> then he gave a pound to Brad Pitt, sure. two people that he worked with on a film oh, called Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time in Hollywood four years ago, and then on stage started talking to them like he'd never met them before and that they are his heroes from when he was a small boy. He said to Quentin, I printed out the script to Pulp Fiction when I was 12 years old, which I did as well, of course. Right. But he he knows Quentin. Why so did he do say you. that in the speech? So <laughs> but I told Quentin that to his face when we met. So the thing that's crazy is... um, he like, The all shucks thing he sold me on and simultaneously doing it as Elvis, he was like, "Mama, we I, need to we need to get cartridges in the print printer jet so I can get page eighty nine of Pulp Fiction out." Like, what like, the hell is he doing? It's, 
it was so insane and also just like so charisma overwhelming simultaneously. <laughs> like I was texting you, like, what is happening? Why is he talking like this? Also being like, this is like the tallest, handsomest man that I've ever seen in my entire life. The closest comp I can give is when Ryan Gosling kind of just started talking like Marlon Brando for like five years there. You remember? Because he was just like, I'm going to be a Brando. And like, maybe it was like trying to lose his Canadian accent or something, but he was just doing a Brando impression. And you were like, I don't know why you're talking like that, but also I can't look away from you. And I sort of don't have words. And that's kind of how I feel about Austin Butler. Also, I... He probably had it sewn up before, but the sentence, like Austin Butler accepting his Golden Globe in an Elvis voice, like probably locked down the Best Actor Oscar for him. Like that, like I think that that's the moment, like when he just showed up and everyone was like, he's talking like Elvis. Like I think it's his now. Doesn't it go the other way? Like, isn't it like, oh, so he just is Elvis? That's not a very impressive performance. No, because people, the Academy voters are just like, oh, wow, someone became something else. No one cares. Like everyone tonight is just being like, oh, that young man, you know, he's, he's one. I'm sorry. He's like, He's not, he's from Anaheim. He's not from Mississippi. What was no. going on there? So you I mean, know I, how, I, I was, I, I've already spent some time thinking about like, he's dating Kaya Gerber, Cindy Crawford's daughter, and Randy Gerber, uh, he of Casamigos Tequila's daughter. And I'm just like, does he talk to Kaya Gerber like this? Is Kaya Gerber like, hey, babe, like, do you want to go to Fred Siegel? And he's like, sure, honey. Like, let me just, you know, get my jacket. Like, what? Kaya, when your when your mama and your stepdaddy <laughs> sold Casamigos for a billion dollars, did y'all move into a new house? Did you move into a, a Graceland? That's her. Isn't that, is that, oh, that's her no. father? Randy, Randy Gerber. Cindy. Oh yeah, Randy's yeah. Her that's that's a that's a love for Kaya Gerber. That's okay. that's, that's yeah. daddy. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's it's just really strange. And I, honestly, I'm in. I just I'm really happy for I Austin. Know. See, I, that's the thing. Everyone else, everyone's in now, and so he's just gonna win the Oscar. <laughs> but for, like, I, I will say, tour is Elvis. It, he what he obviously is up against his fiercest competition is currently Colin Farrell in mm-hmm. Banshee's Vinish Aaron, who won tonight. And I thought also gave a very funny speech. Dynamite. Charming as always. Yeah. Um, the king of the Irish, Colin Farrell. And also Brendan Fraser, who, you know, did not attend tonight's uh, award show. And of course, is, um, I guess, quietly boycotting the HFPA, given his uh, history and the, the allegations that were made against that organization. So it's a that's a complicated and pretty interesting three-way race at the moment, especially in part because I will be buying billboards for Austin Butler uh, all on Hollywood Boulevard <laughs> over the course of the next week or so. Um, all Austin <laughs> Butler, though, has to do to just completely obliterate the competition is to find a public opportunity to shout out Jenny the donkey in the Elvis voice. And then, <laughs> and then it's over, you know? Mama, is Jenny really did? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so special i'm so proud of him um were there any other good speeches did we get any any michelle yo's was great colin farrell's was great uh kiwi kwan's was great austin butler's was great we didn't get a Kate blanchett speech unfortunately she was not right. present um amanda seifert also was not present because she was deep in creating a, a new musical. musical for us i'm not sure if you <laughs> caught that i did that's why uh, I'm not available for any like future Marvel episodes. It's because I'm deep in creating a new musical. That was quite fascinating. Um, I thought Angela Bass's speech was pretty good. Uh, I think she's probably saving some of her her notes for the the I think what feels like a kind of inevitable Academy Award win now. I think the people that she's competing against that she competed against tonight are likely to be the, pe- the people that she's yeah. competing against at the Academy Awards. Carrie Condon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dolly DeLeon, and Carrie Mulligan. And I don't know, her gale force charisma seems to be overwhelming that pack right now. I feel great about that. So did my son, uh, who was in the room for that part of the the ceremony. And as I mentioned earlier, he was not behaving well, but he was wrapped. And then he tried to speak to Angela Bassett, even though he doesn't speak. And then he started applauding when everyone else applauded. So <laughs> that's that's the power that she has. Um. What do you think of Steven Spielberg's acceptance of best director? 
I was very moved by it. It was really good speech. It was really good. And because it's like very, it's the good, it was the good kind of self-aware. He was just kind of Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I have been working up to this my whole life. And you can see it in E.T. And you can see it in Close Encounters. Which like, I was definitely part of the reason that Fableman spoke to me. And, you know, he thanked his family and he was like, it's hard. And to to say these things out loud and I finally got to a place where like I could do it. I like I I found it to be like vulnerable but not in a cringy way and just kind of honest and that to me is what's really interesting about the film and I thought it was great and somehow also not self-aggrandizing even though once again that movie can be read as just like a a movie about how I got great, you know, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's more complicated. And, and he um, is speaking about it. I think like pretty effectively. I feel like this is the Oscar season of films that will be kind of revived and resuscitated over the next five to 10 years over and over again. Even if they win the biggest prizes, I still feel yeah. like the Fablemans is slightly misunderstood. And certainly as you and I have talked about m- more odd than it was being pitched mm-hmm. as. And there was like a kind of like certainly a a highly emotional and psychological and almost like psychosexual element to the film that like even he seems to be like getting close to while talking about it in a way that you don't usually see from like our brand name grandfatherly entertainers. And so it was it was interesting to see him win, especially on the heels of not even being long listed for the BAFTA Best Director nominees last week. The the BAFTA things. I spent at least 20 minutes trying to understand the nominating process. And I read all of the instructions for each category multiple times. And I have no idea. So I like in some ways, I understand that, you know, that is like an egregious snub or really notable. And in other ways, I'm just like, I, the math is too complicated. You've made it yeah, I, too involved. I, I We probably won't spend too much time on the Baptists this season. They're, they're like a, a an organization that is in a state of evolution because they're changing the way that they nominate now. And like, for example, that long list that I was just talking about necessarily had to feature eight male nominees and eight female nominees. Um, and so that is one factor. But part of the reason why I was so surprised by that was just because I feel like we're kind of heading towards the Spielberg best director his first best director win in over two decades and so this even further deepens that feeling you would have said that before tonight i i i think so i think because i don't think it's as strong in best picture as it was although and this is really where i wanted to take this conversation you know it it won best motion picture drama the the quote-unquote big prize at this show which we have not said up until this minute 33 minutes into this conversation um whatever the, the nominees were Avatar The Way of Water, Elvis, Tar, Top Gun, and The Fablemans. And The Fablemans won. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I guess that makes a lot of sense. The Fablemans was the favorite for a long time. It doesn't have to compete against a couple of the other favorites in this category. And so it won. And so what does this mean now? Like, is it back to being in a position of power in this race? I was I was surprised. So I would love for you to elaborate on you on this, like, making sense. I mean, I understand it won the people's choice at Toronto, you know, it's Steven Spielberg. It's like pedigreed. It's, you know, the, the power of cinema and the power of, you know, personal expression or whatever. But I was like, huh, really these guys. And I think some of it is that for all of the, you know, podcasting that we have done, making fun of these people and even kind of being skeptical of their, uh, reinvention i still i don't really understand now who votes for the golden globes i don't know what the new hfpa voter base is i don't even like know how to make fun of their quirks Mm -hmm. Um, it's just me and cr that's we're the only people voting now yeah um but i would not have guessed that it would go that fablemans i would not have predicted fablemans as the winner of the old hfpa let's put it that way This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you want to save money this year, I have a simple, surefire way to do it. Switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, their wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash bigpick. That's mintmobile.com slash bigpick. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is supported by H&R Block. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. 
Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season is better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. This episode is brought to you by Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig inspires people of all ages to jump through life and its muddy puddles with enthusiasm. The relatable stories, oinks, and giggles have made her preschooler's first best friend, helping them navigate everyday life with unabashed exuberance. And now you can discover new playtime adventures with your little ones. Jump into spring and hunt for muddy puddles in Peppa's caravan playset. Hit the road for endless adventures and have heaps of fun with Peppa's whole family. Oinks and giggles are guaranteed. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence since 2004. Peppa Pig is a trademark of Hasbro created by Mark Baker and Neville Astley. So I'll, I'll give you my thinking on this. Yeah. Um, one, Avatar The Way of Water was not released when the nominations came out for this, and the film only got two nominations for Best Director and Best Motion Picture Drama. So it was not strong at this show with this body. Two, Tar is much too arty a title for the Golden Globes. Very rarely has a film that arty won mm-hmm. for an award like this. Three, Top Gun Maverick, of course, is produced and stars Tom Cruise, who recently returned his uh, Golden sure. Globes. Right. Setting uh, which up was the most vicious joke of the evening. The Shelley Miscavige joke from Gerard Carmichael, which was, frankly, when it happened, I was like, wow, can you say yeah. that on live television? Um, and he did. And I thought it was funny, but also quite dark. And and then the fourth film is uh, Elvis. Now, you, we might be thinking Elvis would be the one competing against the Fablemans, but my interpretation of this Fablemans victory is that this is the globe saying, take us seriously. We're not the place that just throws best drama at the glitzy musical that is miscategorized. Right. We are yeah. a serious institution of arts critics and journalists, and we want to be taken seriously. And the best way to do so is to award, you know, the 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 king of Hollywood, you know, the 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 main driver of family entertainments for the last four decades in Steven Spielberg. And so they did it, right? They sort of like in an attempt to legitimize themselves all over again, they've given something good and interesting and complex, but also in its way kind of safe on the surface. It's biggest can prize. I, can I give you my conspiracy theory? Of course. Fablemans is a universal movie. Uh, mm-hmm. which is owned by Comcast, which also owns NBC, which uh, until now has uh, aired the Golden Globes and they would like to be taken seriously and have a future home. I don't actually think that that's the case at all, but... Um, well, you know. that would it, if we had seen more advertisements for the Fableman's premiere on Peacock, mm-hmm. I might have suspected I, yeah. something there but you never know uh, the tar is also a a comcast property that, as it was released true. by focus features that's uh, true never i I'm, I'm not above some speculative concepts of corporate collusion in the I, face of I was, award shows i was just trying to you know get my jmo on on a tuesday night do you know who <laughs> wins the jennifer lopez award for the most earnestly disappointed um golden globes loser i suppose no. that would be Boz lerman who I've never (laughs) seen anyone more excited when Austin Butler won his award. Boslerman was like, we did it. Like it's like he was on camera for two seconds and Boslerman was like, all my dreams are coming true. And then my man was never in front of the camera again. I enjoy the work of Boslerman. Um, so, you know, I hope he's proud of everything he did. And, um, Jennifer Lopez has gone on to live a rewarding life and find love once again. So I think it's going to be okay for him. Here's my review of Boz Lerman's filmography. Strictly Ballroom, Sick, Romeo and Juliet, one of my favorite Shakespearean adaptations. After that, steep, precipitous drop off a cliff. The decision to leave cliff death mm-hmm. than all of his other movies. That's how I feel. Okay. okay. Um, I think that this is a significant blow for the Elvis momentum, is my take. Yeah. Um, well, it's there... fine. It, Austin Butler will win and I don't, give another I don't know. speech. I, and... I, Kaya, when Daddy, <laughs> when Daddy sold his tequila, did you say to yourself, 
We're going to be rich forever. <laughs> I really, I really like that. Whatever he's doing there. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not so sure he's going to win. I'm, I think he's, he's in a good spot. I think okay. Colin Farrell on, on the trail. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've encountered Colin Farrell in person. It is a mighty, mighty force. So I, I encourage people to defy him if they can, because they will find trouble. I would be, I too would be overwhelmed. I would be overwhelmed by both of them um, in, in similar, but different ways. And you're right that every once in a while, not every once in a while in recent years, there have been kind of late breaking surprises um, in best actor and best actress. So it, I, I don't disagree with you, but I'm also like, Oh, okay. Congratulations to Elvis, AKA Austin Butler. I was just trying to think when's the last time a kid won best actor. I guess you could say Rami Malek was young, but even when he won, he was like 38. He wasn't that young. It's very rare that someone, you know, the ingenue, of course, often wins in best actress. Right. But I, I man, I'm, I'm just looking back at the history of the category here. And I mean, maybe Adrian Brody, right. He was, he was in his, maybe his late twenties when, when, he won for the pianist. I mean, that's these. That's pretty rare stuff. So mm-hmm. it would be un, It would be out of out of step with the tra- traditions of the Academy. But that doesn't really mean anything. Um, the other film that obviously had a huge night is the Banshees of Inisherin, which we just mm-hmm. on our last power rankings were saying we feel like there's a lot of goodwill towards right now. Martin McDonough did very well with three billboards uh, yeah, outside of Ebbing, Missouri as well. Love Martin McDonough. They do, and so he won for screenplay tonight as well. I think there's a strong chance he will win for screenplay at the Academy Awards, Um, and he won best musical or comedy. Uh, Do you do you think this alters any of our discussion with Joanna last week at all? Like, does it meaningfully shift any of the films in the Best Picture race around? I, I guess maybe it bumps Fablemans up slightly in the sense of the Golden Globes primarily in the Oscar race serve as like a, a front of mind machine for voters and viewers alike of like, oh, you haven't seen this or do you remember this? Or maybe you should take this seriously. And for performers, it's like if it, it's kind of the the knighting before the crowning or something. That's not actually um, how knights and royalty work, but whatever. Um, and for the movies, it's like it, it can just be a nudge. So Fablemans, which we were completely discounting with Joanna and we're like, no one's even seen it. Maybe people will seek it out um, or even Academy voters. I don't know. I, I It's hard to know how seriously Academy voters will take anything that the Golden Globes do because they don't matter you know and there's not like a huge amount of overlap and it's like they've like the what the golden globes were trying to win back tonight in terms of i I don't know respect or something was like basically a a tv deal and money and the and the ability to keep going they weren't trying to win back like their decision making or uh, abilities with respect to the oscars or or even the respect of the academy so i I don't know. It probably helps Fablemans, but I still don't think I wouldn't put Fablemans at number one on our power list. Let me ask you a quick sidebar question about um, the royal family, since there's a lot going on there. And sure, you just yeah, alluded yeah, to yeah. It. Um, yeah. What what, what was uh, Prince Harry's title before he abdicated? Well, he hasn't given up any of his titles, so he is still oh, technically. Can't believe I'm doing this full thing. He's still an HRH, which means His Royal Highness. Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. Okay, the Duke of Sussex. So if he gives it up, is that like an open position? Is that like g- yeah. general manager of the Charlotte Hornets? Like, could yes. I apply for that job? I don't think that you could apply, but it could be given to you. Would the King Charles <laughs> consider me for the role? <laughs> um, I think that he does like films. And as as, yeah, he likes films and he likes old things and he's pretty (laughs) finicky as I understand it and Uh might respect your organizational system and Mm -hmm. your passion for archiving. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) do you think I should put him on the the JMO mailing list, Sean? Do you think that will improve your likelihood of getting the Duke of Sussex position? 
yeah, yeah, I think he might be interested in some of our views on um, the global economy. And so yeah. with that in mind, and, and on our relationship to Zelensky as well, I feel like, I, you know, yeah. his royal highness might want to bestow upon me some additional titles in addition to uh, the Lord of Letterbox and uh, right. the King of TikTok. I think, so it's pretty hard to get a dukedom without like marrying in, you know, but we could probably secure you like an earl. You know, Do we have baron? any single gals out there in the royal family who I could be introduced to? I'm trying to is it, think. Is it bigamy if you get married in another country? Yes, I think so. I but actually, is it, I don't in which know, country bigamy, is it bigamy? Right. No, that's a that's a great point. But you remember, <laughs> did you finish the first season of The Crown? I did, yes. Yes. Yeah, so the church plays a big role in deciding who these people okay. can and can't marry. So I think it would be bigamy in the eyes of, you know, um, God. They're God anyway. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. I appreciate your uh, expertise sure. in these matters. Um, returning to the Fablemans. You know, actually, I, the movie that I am curious about most in the aftermath of this award show is Everything Everywhere All Everywhere Once, All Once, yeah. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that that is necessarily a Golden Globes kind of a movie. It is the movie that if you asked me with like my head pressed against the wall, what's going to win Best Picture? I still think it's Everything Everywhere All at Once. There's really? still something telling me that it's that movie. I don't know. Now I think that but I, I, I yeah. But after tonight though, I I I'm wavering on that. Um and in part, you know, it actually had a good night. You know, it had two acting awards and it was center stage for a lot of the a lot of the um the conversation in the evening. Unlike a movie like Babylon, which came into this award show before its release, like a house on fire, and only got an award for Justin Hurwitz for his score, which is an absolute diamond of a score and this is his fourth golden globe i think for his fourth is it his fourth film with chazelle that he has golden globes for anyhow yeah. um he he's uh he's fantastic but you know you look at the the performance tonight of babylon and you're like okay maybe it's kind of petering out in the race it's you could read it read it that way everything everywhere all at once i don't know it feels like a quiet best actress and supporting actor night maybe if I don't know if, if Jamie Lee Curtis had also won. I might have felt like, wow, there's like a swell, you know, and now there's a big push. So I, I, do you feel differently about that one? I've always kind of felt that that's one of the it's a not small, like a, a sizable, but not majority level pocket of like huge enthusiasm, you know, and so people are very vocal about it. And obviously it's done very well and made a lot of money and and which is which is great, but also kind of brings attention, you know, because then you have the box office stories written. Um, but I, I just always kind of thought it was like a very loud movie rather than and and sometimes we confuse like the loudness of a fan base for the dominance in their race. I I I kind of wonder if it's similar to an RRR situation, which maybe we can then talk a little bit about. RRR, which is another movie that's done very well and has a lot of enthusiasm around it, um, myself included, and did win tonight for original song um, for just like the absolute dynamite dance break, like about an hour in with the suspenders. Um, but it's it's a similar thing here and especially like among the award circuit, they're doing a lot of screenings here and there are big dance parties and people are like oh this is a you know I, I think Jason Blum recently you know was made his prediction that RR would win best picture there's a lot of goodwill and a lot of momentum around it and then as you noted Argentina 1985 a film I have not yet seen because I was triaging all of the international features and didn't think I needed to see it yet um one international feature instead of RRR so again like the enthusiasm is undeniable. Like, it, how wide is it? I'm not totally sure for either of those movies. It's that's such an interesting race because there's this expectation that there are these heavyweights, right? That you know, a new Park Chan Wook film, especially one that is not like a a horror film, is always going to be a serious contender. Um, especially in the aftermath of South Korean cinema getting that huge boost from Parasites win. Um, he's so he's so widely respected among the directors. There's still a contingent of people who think he's going to be nominated for best director, even if that film doesn't get a best picture nomination, which certainly seems plausible. Um, you know, RRR is one of the big global box office sensations of 2022. 
in addition to the fact that it has been available on Netflix for six months and mm-hmm. that a lot of people have watched it. Um, and as you say, they're, they're just pushing this incredible campaign to get support from this movie. J.J. Abrams introduced the film last night at the Chinese at a sold out screening at the Chinese theater on the rainiest night that I can remember in 11 years in Los Angeles. So there is a fervor for that movie. And then there's also Bardo, which of course comes from like a hugely celebrated uh, international filmmaker and close, which I'm, I'm, I'm going to have Lucas don't on the, on the show uh, later this week. Or I'm going to talk to him later this week for a conversation to be released later. And like, that is one of the most emotionally crushing movies that I saw last year um, and and has been a little bit quieter on the margins in part because it only played I think it premiered at Cannes and then played the fall festivals but hasn't been really released yet in the states so if Argentina 1985 which you know is 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 this very good film but is like a courtroom drama effectively it is about um, uh, the way the power operates in South America but it feels smaller relative to some of these other films and so I guess it's exciting that there's like a little bit of intrigue there. It could also just be like, I don't know, latent globes wonkiness getting coming in there. I, I can't really wrap my head around what how how that happened. I again have not seen it, though when I Googled it, I learned it was a courtroom drama. And then you know how Google results will now give you like three adjectives that it's pulled from a word cloud of reviews? which is very upsetting and it was this, yeah. all it said was like bleak like depressing or whatever I was like oh great okay um, I thought you were going to say it said Mama Casamigos Argentina <laughs> did it not say but, that? no but aside from Banshees it did feel a little bit like they were trying at least somewhat to spread the wealth a little bit in the yeah. awards I mean you know Fable has got two Banshees got three everywhere everything all at once got two rr got one tar got one i mean you know basically everything but my beloved top gun maverick won an award so even you know babylon even got score you know what that's that's there's no accounting for for taste and that's just the hfpa's fault um so i I noticed you didn't reference guillermo del toro's pinocchio Pinocchio, receiving an award yeah congratulations Uh, please put some respect on his name as he put some respect on the medium of animated feature filmmaking Hmm. Um, <laughs> great. Congratulations. Um, I thought it was live action. Honestly, you thought Pinocchio was like you thought it was a live action Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah. Are you on but- drugs? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there a live action Pinocchio this year? There was by Robert Zemeckis, but the Pinocchio okay, was I- animated. He wasn't <laughs> a real boy. He's a fucking. Well, I puppet. thought it was like a puppet who then became. That's the story of Pinocchio, know. Amanda. You it's like it. Megan. I can't wait to talk to you about how they made Megan. <laughs> and, uh, how they made Megan. Yeah. That's what you want to talk about? You yeah, mean how they Megan's- made the film Megan or how they made the doll Megan? The doll Megan. Okay. Okay. Who's actually a real girl, as it turns out. Like Megan basically is Pinocchio. If you want me to watch Pinocchio, make Megan. That's what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, don't spoil any of our Megan conversation, which is coming in just a few short days and will certainly be one of the most normal conversations we've ever had <laughs> as friends and podcasters. Um, I, gosh, I, I, I just feel like kind of nothing changed except maybe Spielberg got a little bit of a bump tonight. I th- that's, I think that's, that's essentially my takeaway. I think that's valid. I agree with you. Did you, were you even paying attention during the television awards? Like, I, I don't, like you don't watch Abbott Elementary, right? You didn't watch House of the Dragon. You don't watch White Lotus. Like, so some of the big winners yeah. are not really. I tried watching your... Abbott Elementary, but it was like early Knox days and I just kind of couldn't get into the rhythm. It seems charming. I just, I've also forgotten yeah. how to watch sitcoms. Um, I guess it's, I've forgotten how to watch most TV. I haven't watched it a ton. It's good. I think it's like, it is just a updated version of something that seemed very like modern and impressive when the office came out and then it that became like a traditional storytelling style and now it just if you do a good version of that it gets celebrated and it is a good version yeah but but all of those people seem to enjoy their work and each other and so that's great i'm happy for all of them um i did watch three episodes of house of the dragon before i quit Mm -hmm. because it sucked um Also, Miguel Sapochnik, who accepted the award for House of the Dragon, also quit. So yeah. that was interesting. 
And and he did not quiet quit. And yet somehow yeah. he was empowered to receive that award on stage. And he also seemed quite drunk, if I'm being honest. Yeah, um, good for him. Um, and yeah, White Lotus, I didn't. I just, I missed the train. I've been thinking about getting on the train, but I have some other things I have to watch first, you know, like a lot of movies. So a, a handful of very famous people won in the TV side, Kevin Costner. Uh, for Yellowstone, as you said, Zendaya for Euphoria. I'm sure Chris and Andy will recap all of this on The Watch um, later this week. Jeremy Allen White, who is an absolute Oh, yeah, warrior, the bear. One yeah. for the bear. He gave a very emotional and cool speech. I like him a lot. Um, and what was the... Oh, the one, <laughs> the one show that I was like, I'm going to watch this show now is Blackbird, which is on Apple TV+. Oh, yeah. Plus. And my guy, Paul Walter Hauser one and gave an amazing speech with a how Pulp is, Fiction name reference. I just I just don't understand how he is not like a bringer podcaster. You know what I mean? Between he's the all time best big picture guest just started doing a few good men from memory, which is the closest quickest way to my heart. I It's beautiful stuff. He dropped It's a Wax Museum with a pulse within seconds, looked right at Tarantino. Huge night for Tarantino, huge night for Brad Pitt who got shouted out from the stage by like every woman that went on stage, That's which true. I thought was fascinating. He, did you notice also there was one camera angle um, that was behind the winners. And it so it showed two tables, like kind of blurry, but like Brad Pitt sitting in the front row was like very visible as like a active audience member. And he was just mm-hmm. always there. And he was always looking up, like engaged, I, you know, Brad Pitt obviously knows how to play this game, but like Brad Pitt's listening face was on all night and it was very good. It did make me think that he was making the bid for something that we have talked about many times with Bill Simmons, which is the who takes the Jack Nicholson spot of, yeah. you know, the 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 uncle, the the, the purveyor of award right. shows, the person who sits in the front row could be Brad Pitt. Probably yeah. not because he's in a movie this year and was nominated at the Globes. And so that's why he was right. there. But you never know. He obviously has a big production company, which produces films that are often nominated for Academy Awards. So it's possible. Um, any other reflections? Any other anything we missed? Anything absurdly bland or incredibly funny that you wanted to cite? Uh, Rihanna, I believe, showed up 30 minutes late. She did. Did with ASAP Rocky. Yeah, with, with Rocky. They looked great, but they didn't walk the carpet. Showed up 30 minutes late, which, let me be very clear, is her right. Um, was not given an award, which, you know, that's their choice, I guess. Um, but then stayed and seemed to, you know, was smiling as every single person shouted her out, which she looked beautiful. I, too, would be like, oh, my gosh, Rihanna. Um, but I, honestly, I don't, I don't think she had to stay the whole night. And she did. I wanted to, since you mentioned Rihanna's nomination for Best Original Song, and we sure. mentioned Natu Natu won, um, I did just want to shout out the song Chow Papa, which appears on Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is a song that um, I now sing to my daughter in what I imagine her voice will be when I put her to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so That's it's really a very upsetting. normal thing that I do. That's it's very, really it's upsetting. kind of like Pinocchio, the way okay. that Geppetto manifests into his puppet what he hoped the vision of a new humanity could be are you following me on this it's kind of like ai also the steven spielberg film you honestly have to stop talking about pinocchio if you don't want me to spoil the megan podcast okay pinocchio megan is is good pinocchio that's just a teaser of what's to come okay um i think we can wrap things up uh i'm i this was a very very normal award show in many ways and i'm 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 honestly i'm thankful for that i'm thankful for that i'm thankful for your positive attitude through this conversation um i'm thankful for (laughs) the the magic that pinocchio has brought to all of our lives i'm thankful for Um, austin butler's elvis voice i want to say mama thank you for pinocchio (laughs) (laughs) thank you to our our incredible producer bobby wagner for staying up late on the eastern coast of the united states to produce this episode thanks bob uh, and tune in later this week on The Big Picture because as Amanda noted, we will be diving deep into Megan. We'll see you then.
This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 